We are live. We are? We are. We're in Kentucky also. Yes. Louisville. 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 Kentucky. And we're at a coffee shop. I'm with three of my favorite common power folks. All right. Matthew, Ben, and Huya. I'm not actually hosting this, though. <laughs> this is David. Hello, everyone. I'm Puya. Um, super excited to call in from Louisville, Kentucky. We're here to knock on doors and um, tell you a little bit about our, our experience, also some of the unprecedented things that have happened the last 24 hours. Um, I know every once in a while we keep saying this happened and it was unprecedented, <laughs> but this one is actually unprecedented. It is a first. No, it time, is all unprecedented, right? right? <laughs> yeah, three of the uh, three of the four total, three of the two of the four total impeachments in American history have happened in the last five years. The first ousting the Speaker of the House ever, the first indictment of a former president ever. So we are. For people that are younger, like the three of you, like you're just like, this is just normal shit. No, it's not. It's not at all. <laughs> right. To give context to what younger means, this is Ben, by the way. Um, I'm 25. Both Matthew and Puyo are 21, about to be 22 in about a month. Um, and to kind of even put more context to it, people keep telling me that 2008, when Barack Obama was elected, was like when the entire paradigm in politics shifted. I was 10. So it really is true that this like this is really the whole the whole of our lives. Yeah. yeah. Wesley Morris, who's a cultural critic for The New York Times, um, wrote a piece a couple of years after Obama was elected, after the 2010 election, when the Tea Party revolution occurred, which was a response, a white racist response to, to Obama's election. He said that the election of Obama broke the country because we'd never really had a white president until we'd had a black president. That everybody, that the whiteness got freedom to come out in a dramatic way with Obama's presidency. Um, and so whiteness was unleashed at that time. So the country, I think, really has been largely broken um, since then. And whether we'll ever be able to put it back together again is, a, is an open question still. Right. And that's part of the reason that we're here in Kentucky, too. Um, is because of that same issue of how do we put this country back together. Um, David, can you give a little bit of context of why we're in a little bit of Kentucky, by the politics of it? Because you were here four years ago. Yeah. It's a very small team, very similar to what we are doing right here. Um, I can tell about a little bit of your experience four years ago, and then we'll talk about this experience. Absolutely. Um, so we're all sitting at a, at a coffee table right now, uh, a picnic table outside of a coffee shop in, in Louisville. And I have very, very fond memories of being here in 2019. Um, it was really the most exciting uh, political outcome that, um, that I, that I kind of had since really 2008. Um, even more than the 2012 reelection of Barack Obama, because it was, uh, we really beat somebody that was a horrible human being. Uh, Matt Bevin, who was the governor, uh, the Republican governor, and Andy Bashir defeated him. And Bashir's a moderate Democrat, of course he is. He's in he's in Kentucky, um, but he's a really good person, and he's he's done a lot of good things. So we were excited to to get him elected. Um, well, we're sitting at this cop at this table, and you three have all been here, knocking doors for the weekend, right? Is that right? That's right. Yes. Yep. Can't nod your head on the podcast. People can't see. That's true. <laughs> um, and. That's the most important work we do, 
is knocking doors and getting people out to vote. That is the most important thing we do. Um, we also do a lot of education. And I'm here because I just finished a learning tour with a whole bunch of educators, about 25 of them from around the country. And they are all fired up to come and do work this fall. On the bus ride yesterday um, from Memphis to Nashville, where they were flying out of, uh, we were all watching and listening to the McCarthy vote at that time. We were also celebrating the uh the swearing in of the third African-American female U.S. Senator in American history, LaFonza Butler, because uh, she got sworn in at 3 p.m. Eastern time by the, the second African-American female U.S. Senator, Kamala Harris. Um, so, like, this is historic times. It really, really is. Um, so we were all celebrating and, and joking and high-fiving about all of that. And those educators are ready to come to Richmond. They're ready to come to, I think, uh, Arlington, I'm not sure where else you're going exactly in Virginia. Oh no, Virginia Beach, I believe. Um, they're gonna, there's some of them talking about coming to Philadelphia. Alright. And they are, they are, oh, they're Eastern Washington, the ones that live in Seattle. So they are coming and we know at Common Power, the most important thing we can do is move people towards action. It is the, it is the necessary piece. So I'm, I'm here coming between that learning tour and the next one that we start tomorrow morning with the Seattle Seahawks leadership staff in Atlanta. So came north from Nashville to be with you all because need your energy, want to be here in solidarity and do some doors this morning. And then you and I get on a bus and we drive to Atlanta and we start that learning tour tomorrow. That's just, I just wanted to set that context for why we're here because we're here intentionally. Nobody, we're not here just by chance. Okay, we're here intentionally and you all have been doing the work. Now, in 2019, we won by uh, 37, I'm sorry, 5,100 votes. Andy Bashir won by 5,100 votes. We knocked on 3,700 doors in three days, uh, our team. And the team was about 10 people. It was awesome. Um, loved them all. And we just were, were relentless. And we would knock on doors, and the Democratic base was so fired up to beat Matt Babin. They would open up, and they'd say, hi, and we'd say, hi, I'm with the, the Bashir campaign. They'd say, you don't even need to talk to me. I'm hard, you know. This time, it's probably a little, a bit more competitive because the Republican, although a McConnell acolyte, is not as horrible as, uh, as Matt Babin had been. Uh, but I think the primary reason that I was fired up then and, and wanted to just contribute even just for a couple hours today is because when Andy Bashir was elected in 2019, he fulfilled his very first campaign promise, which was to repeal lifetime felony disenfranchisement for voters. That was 140,000, I believe, or 120,000 voters in um, in Kentucky, 40% of whom were African-American because of our racist legal system. And he repealed that. And uh, as long as he's governor, that will be repealed and maybe we can get it permanent. But if he does not get reelected, the, uh, the Republican nominee has made clear that he will reinstitute that ban. So I want it to be gone for as long forever but at least for the next four years, which might give us more time to, to make some progress here. So if nothing else that Bashir does, if he does that, I'm here for that, right? But he's done so much more than that, too. He's been great on COVID. He's been terrific on education. Um, he's been great on abortion rights, okay? So that's the context. Uh, I think we got a great chance to win, a, a blue governor in a red state, uh, but we got to do the work like we always do. I, I wanted to backtrack real quick. Um, but before that, how many doors have we knocked um, here in Kentucky, Puya? Yeah, we have done just over 1,000 doors with four, 
volunteers and wow. three wow. days of canvassing. Um, and it is almost 90 degrees. Um, so you have to take a lot of breaks, yeah. rehydrate, all that stuff. Um, and these doors are not easy because they're a little bit further apart. So um, it is absolutely amazing the number of doors we have been able to do on this trip so far. Yeah, I wanted um, – could you reiterate um, – That's you, Matthew. That's Matthew who's yes, talking. Yes, this is Matthew. Sorry. Um, could you reiterate the, the news that you just shared with us about the third ever uh, black female senator? Um, I, I think oftentimes in politics, like it, with, with all these different pressing news or events that happen, like we, we just get stuck on one thing. It's hard to digest multiple things at once, especially when the first ever, you know yeah, – uh, yeah kind of getting rid of the the House Speaker happens uh, in American history. So, yeah, could you repeat that for us? Sure. I, well, it's a great privilege of mine to, to work at Common Power. And one of the things that I try to do is to help us see the, the long arc of the daily work that we do. As a parent, there's a phrase that says, like, it's long days because it's hard work, but short years because things go fast. All right? So our work, I think, are, are kind of like – uh, long years, because it's devastatingly difficult right now, but like shorter days, because we're in community. All right, I just made that up. All right. <laughs> um, but yesterday, yesterday were two things that are really astounding. First of all, um, you know, Diane Feinstein died uh, Friday or Saturday as a U.S. U.S. Senator in California. Lived a long life, had been an absolute pioneer for women's rights in America. Um, she passed away. Gavin Newsom, the governor of, of uh, California, announced his, his uh, replacement right away, which is great because we want that vote back into the Senate right away. Um, and he selected LaFonza Butler, who is an African-American queer woman. Um, she is the first queer woman of color in the history of the out, or at least out queer uh, in the history of the U.S. Senate. She is only the th so first, first, first queer out woman of color in the U.S. Senate. She's the third African-American female in the history of the United States Senate, which is just horrible, terrible, and also something we should be proud of that this is happening. Um, so she got nominated, I'm sorry, she got sworn in at 3 p.m. Eastern time by Kamala Harris, the VP, of course, the very first VP, who's been a woman or a person of color in this country. So those are, those are like yesterday's. And then, of course, we have Kevin McCarthy ousted as U.S. House Speaker, first U.S. House Speaker to be ousted in U.S. history, ousted by a small group of, of radical extremists in the Republican Party that are determined to burn down this country. I mean, that is what they're trying to do, and we're fighting against that. That's right. Um, so, hey, just one, one quick correction. Can I jump in for a second? This is Charles. Good morning, everybody. How's it going? Good morning. Um, so, LaFonza, first uh, first uh, out queer woman to be in the, in the Senate. A woman of color, you mean as she's in, Woman of color. Okay, got it, got it, got it. I was gonna, I was gonna mention Tammy Baldwin, and right. Johnson, one of our, one of our, our, our favorites to work for every cycle. Keep going, for you. Yeah, um, I actually wanted to bring it to our work here in Kentucky a little bit. Um, David, you mentioned that when you were here, you were in the Democratic base, and 
the feeling that there is a horrible governor in place um, motivate a lot of people to just vote for Andy Bashir, right? Anybody except Evan. Um, I want to go around and have Matthew and Ben share a little bit about their experience of knocking doors here in Kentucky, because for me, it has been very different. Um, first of all, like the politics of it, being in a very, very red state, a state that Trump cares by almost 30%, and then there's a Democratic governor to get people who are at the door saying, like, I'm a Republican, but yes, I will vote for Andy Bashir. Are you fighting like, that? Yes. Like, they are literally telling us, I'm a Republican, but yeah, I'm voting for Andy Bashir. Like, that is so different from anything I can watch on TV, on CNN, on MSNBC, Fox, wherever. You don't get that picture of Republicans going to vote for somebody else other than their party. Um, can you all talk a little bit about your experience of how the doors are going? Because it is different for me than any other state I've been to. Yeah, um, I, I would agree with that. You know, party lines aren't really a restriction over here as much as they are in other states. Um, I would say that the closest example to Kentucky that I've been in so far is Pennsylvania. Um, when we were out there for uh, Cartwright and Fetterman, I believe, um, they were a bit similar in their ideologies. A lot of one-issue voters, um, a lot of people who don't really care um, for, you know, what party this person uh, belongs to. They just want to know that this person is someone that they can believe in. Um, and, you know, and then the, the Terps out here are way different. You know, you spend like 30 seconds walking to everyone's doorstep. Um, as opposed to what? As opposed to, you know, getting 200 doors done in an hour because it's all tight condominiums. Yeah, you're apartments. walking distances here, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I remember walking long driveways. Yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, that, that's a product of the turfs we're into. I'm sure there's different neighborhoods in Louisville. Um, but, you know, that's that's the thing that surprised me the most, um, because even more so than Pennsylvania, people over here are outwardly um, conservative and Republican. And, you know, they'll still they'll still admit that they're siding with, you know, a Democratic governor um, in other states where, you know, you ask people, hey, do you mind if I ask you? They're like, no, before you even get the question. I mean, yes. Sorry. If, you know, before you even get the question out. Um, so, yeah, d definitely a, a, a bit of a I'd say more of a pleasant surprise because um, also Louisville has the nicest uh, conservatives and Republicans I've ever run into. And I don't even know if I was supposed to say that, but I mean, that is just so cool to me. Ben? Yeah, for sure. I feel like people in Kentucky definitely try to vote people, not party. Like, I've run into multiple po voters who say that, like, they never go down straight down the ballot. They they like do their research, they know what they're doing, and they're like, they got the information they need, right? Um, and they are very nice, which is a little like weird, <laughs> but you kind of get used to it. Um, and also like this early in the game, like this is what, about a little over 30 days out from election day, you know, like um, we're still doing the first touches on voters. That means that like we're hitting almost every house and we're like cleaning that list of voters to say like, are you supporting Bashir or not? Like, are you playing a vote or not, right? So we're running into like like the entire universe, right? Anybody and everybody. Whereas like if you were to come out in during like a week before election, right? Then it's just, you know that they're gonna vote Democrat. You know they're gonna probably vote. You're just reminding them to vote. Mm. It's a very different feeling. So. Um, well, I want to take, yeah. pick up two of those things. Let me go back and then come yeah. back to a point you asked. Uh, you brought up, Matthew. So what's the difference you're saying between being here a month before mm -hmm. and a week before in terms of the how CP, the doors you get? 
Oh, for sure. Because like a month before, people are still trying to figure out like who, like what, what the landscape looks like for this election, right? Like because like within a year, someone's political leanings can change, especially like in the voters that we've been talking to. Whereas like is is Andy doing a good job or not? It doesn't matter if he's like a Democrat or not necessarily, right? Um, so we're we're sussing it out. I feel like the last couple of days, it's been a lot of like, what are, where are you, where are you with this? What are, what do you support? What do you care about? There's more room for those kind of conversations. Yeah. 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 People are not thinking about the logistics of voting right now. (laughs) Right. I feel like the the last week before elections, you're basically standing on a street corner metaphorically and just yelling to people, vote, vote, vote. And we're choosing which street corners to go to because of the, the demographics and the political, right? But you're just yelling that. Here, you're like standing on the street corner. You're like, hey, can we talk? Can we talk, right? Not all the time, of course. But there's more There's more uh, discursive, to use a really academic term, movement, where people are like, you know, I, I really want to chat about that. I do. Yeah. Right? yeah. And people are more willing to chat with you. Oh, go ahead. I just want to ask, what are you what are you getting this early? To your point, normally you're asking people what they care about at this point in your life. And, you know, some folks are not sure. Are you getting more certainty right now than usual? Okay. So am I, are we getting more certainty? Was that the question? Yeah. Yeah. Are you getting more certainty? Are you getting more kind of like people saying, no, I'm ready to vote for Andy Bashir. You don't, I, you don't need to ask me what I care about. I'm ready to vote for this guy. We're getting less, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, Puya Matthew, okay. but like, I'm, we're getting like, it's, it's along the lines of like, we're still deciding. I like, we're still trying to figure it out. Because I also think this is really interesting too. A couple of voters mentioned to me that like, a lot can happen in 30 days. You know, I'm still, I'm, the jury's still out on like who I support. Like, I might know things in two weeks that I didn't know now about each candidate and that might sway me. So they're very open about that. Um, and, and they're more willing to open the door and just like talk to you because we're probably the first people who have knocked on their door for this election season. So they're not tired of us yet. Yeah. In my experience is slightly different. I've been getting a lot of people, not a lot, but good, portion of the people who have made their minds um but those are i think on the extreme ends of it they're either you know the ones that are like absolutely not going to vote for somebody like daniel cameron like i don't care about bashir necessarily i'm just don't like this guy and i don't really care right on the other hand there's some who are like absolutely not for Andy bashir because he's a democrat or you know we handle covid close down things all those things like break that that group of people for me has been maybe around like 60 percent of the people at the door but yeah a good chunk of them have been like yeah i'm thinking you know still thinking about it or um they're like yeah he's a good guy i'll probably vote for him but you know i still need to look into it um they're not as certain they're willing to still see what's up do a little bit more research do a little bit more reading on it so um it is refreshing actually get that perspective from voters. Yeah, and I also think that um, in, in some small way, uh, the the openness uh, that a lot of people have to these conversations might be a, a byproduct of how far we are from the election. Um, because I think the dynamic of canvassing this early on, um, it, it, it's way different, you know, like people have a, a different 
a, a different stress level, you know, the week of elections. They have a different feeling about the election in general the week of. Um, and, and I think I think given that we are a, a small, young group, I mean, plus Christine, of course, but she's young in many ways as well, um, you know, kind of canvassing, uh, what what's today's date? October... October 4th, the, the election is over a month away. Um, right now, the election is, is you know, it's less of, of something to be worried about and more of something to look forward to. Because I think the closer we get to the election, the more people worry about whether or not they'll have the time to go, right? What day they'll go or what time during the day they'll go on and how their plans are going to change and all that. And so, yeah, I, I think I think we get a different version of people um, this early on from the election, um, and I'm not sure, uh, in my opinion, how that plays a role into you know the certainty of the state as a whole. Is um, who's providing your list for the for the door knocking? So we worked with a local organization called Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, who amazing organization by the way. They've been around for over 40 years in the very red state, um, so it's very admirable like what they've been doing. But that is, um, we worked with them one day on Sunday and spent an entire day, learned about the organization, did some canvassing with them as well. And um, the past two days, we have been working with the Kentucky Democratic Party and Andy Bashir's campaign. Well, I think that uh, vote lists in um, red or purple states tend to, tend to have a, more, a greater fluidity in them too in that people who voted Democrat the last couple of years, last, let's say, four elections, because of MAGA world, um, were really Republicans. They were Republicans. They were moderate Republicans, but they voted for Democrats. And so I, that's one of the things that I enjoyed when I when we canvass him. We, we canvass generally in metropolitan areas, um, but in red states, that, that could be a, a bit much more purpley than than canvassing, for example, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for Democrats, where you're going to get them clear Democrats, okay? So I want to ask that. I wanted to go, that's the point that you had made earlier, Matthew, that you said they're nice conservatives, okay? Um, I, I have heard consistently from the field work team over the last several years that when you get out in the field, idea, political ideas are, are more complicated and people are more complicated than anything that we ever think about using media or social media or what we get through Twitter and so on. Um, is that is that what we're seeing here too? Yeah, because um, it, it, when it comes down to it, it's, it's usually deeper than than one issue for the, the more active voters, I would say. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you brought me back to this point because I don't need to be beefing with any uh, Louisville uh, Democrats. The Democrats are nice as well. Um, but it's, it's refreshing to, you know, to come into a state uh, that is so close, um, at least as far as this election, right? It's, it's projected to be so close. It's refreshing to have meaningful conversations um, you know, with people who don't share any views, you know, or, or, or most views, I would say, you know, there are people who are who are more outwardly conservative. They're like, hell no, I'm not voting for Andy Bashir, but I'll indulge in this conversation with you and I'll still tell you to have a good day. You know, um, it's refreshing because in, in other states, you know, I think uh, doing this work in, in some ways we mentally prime ourselves for uh, a bit of conflict with certain people, yeah. um, you know, to the point where we, we have to educate ourselves how to disengage sometimes. 
Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely different coming into a state like Kentucky um, and and witnessing the other side to that. You know, just the friendliness, regardless of who you are, where you come from, and what you believe in. Yeah, I think pretty much the same thing. Um, I would say um, in a lot of different states, regardless of how close it is, you know, Georgia, you know, Michigan, wherever it may be. Uh, we do get a lot of people who are, you know, very nice and they might be conservative. But over here, um, I had a different view. I thought, you know, being a very red state, I will probably get a lot of people who might be hostile or not willing to even have a conversation. But as Matthew said, um, that has been the experience. And I've got a lot of people who are like, yep, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to vote for Andy Bashir. Um, and, you know, that's it for that. But. Have a good day. Thank you for being out here. Do you want water? Like all of those things that I didn't really expect to get in a place like Kentucky. Um, so it is great to have that experience and see the people as human, not the enemy. Yeah, always. And we get that to varying degrees, right? For new or old volunteers, they all kind of like have their perspective. Their will be shift a little bit when they door knock with us. Um, so, but this is only the first trip. In field work. This is our launch for fall. We're going to be out there again in Pennsylvania and Virginia, and we're going to finish in Richmond on the 8th. So this is really just the beginning. Um, I'm actually kind of curious to kind of like know how our interactions with voters will shift now that like with these like huge news that we've been discussing in the beginning, right, with uh, McCarthy and LaFonza Butler and these kind of like historic political things like will that change how voters interact with us? Will that change how they feel about the election coming up? Will that kind of like cause any shift with like, you know, how this year will end, right? So Charles, do you have any idea about that? Um, can you hear me okay? Can you guys hear me? Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> um, so first of all, this has been really great to listen to. Um, I've, I've been enjoying this as as just a, a listener. Um, I'm about to hop on a plane and join some of you in Atlanta. So CP is very much on the move right now. Um, I, I one of the things I was trying to poke around for. And it may be embedded in some of, of what your interactions have been at the doors is that I, I think that there there is more certainty in America right now about politics. And I think there's there's a shift in general. I think you're you're encountering a lot of that when you're when you're talking to people who maybe do know that they're gonna vote for a Democratic governor, regardless of their party, or even if they are more conservative today, 30 days out from the election, um, and and what's going on in the uh, House right now, um, the ways that the Democratic Party sh is showing their values by um, bringing in Lafonza Butler, you know, there there is there's definitely directionally people are seeing the country moving in, in, in a, a direction driven largely by one party um, and they're they're voting they're moving with their feet so it's I think we're seeing a shift and we're going to see, see more certainty moving left as we get closer to the election as we continue to talk to voters I think that that's going to be the case I think that's I agree with that I think that 
the, 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 I agree with that. The clarity of partisan difference is, is um, continues to, to gets more and more stark when you have a Republican Party that um, is imploding unto itself that they can't maintain a Speaker of the House, someone who did, who is not, who is quite conservative as a Speaker of the House, but uh, was willing to, to keep the government open by voting with Democrats on Friday. It was an unforgivable sin to a certain group of Republicans, okay? Just, it's unacceptable to them. So they oust him, do something that's never been done. You have election deniers, the the, uh, the Kari Lakes running for U.S. Senate again, who are denying the elections. You have the Trump campaign calling for all of the other presidential nominees to suspend their campaigns and unite behind him, which is a standard political ploy. But the reason they make that case is because they're saying the Democrats are trying to steal this election even now. And so we need to come together to fight that. Their argument is the, the continuing big lie. So democracy was, has been on the ballot since Donald Trump got elected. Democracy has been on the ballot, and I expect that it is on the ballot now, and I expect that it's going to be on the ballot all the way through 2024, that the primary overriding consideration that's moving some Republicans to vote for Democrats, and it's mo moving so many Democrats to, to be more likely to vote than they would be otherwise, is because they can see that one party cares about the country imperfectly, imperfectly, and one party is trying to burn it down, all right? And in those kind of moments, it's pretty clarifying. It's pretty clarifying. So I would agree with the sentiment here that a month out from an election, the positions and thoughts are more fluid than they are out a week before. But um, we're, uh, we're in a red state. So that's actually really good that the positions are more fluid a month out. If they were hardened a month out, that would be an indication that they don't even care about one party burning down the one party burning down the country. So the, the reason there's more fluidity is because they're being drawn towards a reasonableness about the party. Ten years from now, we might be back to kind of really arguing between the parties in a legitimate way. But right now, there's really not an argument. There's one party's trying to kill us, and one party's trying to like save us, and they have decent skills but not great skills. Yeah, and that's part of the argument that a lot of people who are saying like, yeah, we'll vote for Andy is that. Um, and I have not been opening, hey, I'm Puya with the Kentucky Democratic Party, not at all, because I know that can be a turnoff for some people in terms of like, I don't care about the Democratic Party. They like Andy as a person, yeah, as a yeah, candidate, yeah, as a yeah. human, so but not them. I say, hey, I'm Puya, I'm here with Andy Bashir's campaign, or yeah. just Andy, because if you say Andy, people are like, yeah, that's Bashir, right? Um, everybody's cool with that. Um, and when I say, yeah, I'm here to do talk about whether the policies, all that stuff, they're like, yeah, I like him. There was this lady who was like, yeah, I, um, he's a good guy. I don't care about the other stuff as much. He's just a good human. Um, so I think that's part of it. It's like n nobody else said, yeah, Daniel Cameron is a really good human. I'm just going to vote for him because of him. And, right? then, and when you extrapolate that to, to the presidential level, um, it's clear that many Democrats are not thrilled with Joe Biden. Um, I think he's been a very good president in all things considered, but it's fine. Many aren't. Uh, but – when you get to a choice, to a choice, I mean, they're like, there isn't really a choice there. I mean, you either want a chance to fight another day for democracy or, or you don't. Because clearly if Trump gets elected or the Republican or Ron DeSantis does, they have no interest in democracy, none whatsoever.
Exactly. And I think it's like, I think we're reaching that point where the conversation is evolving to like, it's not Democrats versus Republican, it's authoritarianism versus democracy, which transcends political parties. And that's what we're seeing with voters. Like I had a voter open the door and tell me he was like, I'm a Republican. And I'm like, cool, November 7th election. And then he took a pause and he said, I'm a MAGA Republican. And I'm like, cool, make sure you still vote. And then he stopped dead. (laughs) And then then he was like, okay, that's nice. Close the door, you know, like, like that completely shuts him down because like, it's not about engaging in those shallow, but have very real consequences kind of fights, you know, it's about like making sure that like, we still believe in the process and institution of democracy. And when we start picking fights with people over party lines, it's when those institutions become erode even more, you know? And I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's kind of like what people are kind of arriving at. Like the Republican Party has made it very explicit that the blueprint that they're working with is an authoritarian blueprint. And Puya and I have been talking about this since our car ride to to Kentucky about like the cracking down on dissidents, about like um, kind of like muddying the waters, making truth harder to discern, um, a rejection of reality, right? Um, and in general, kind of like this fervent nationalism, that's all present in the authoritarian regimes that we grew up with. So, and that's also kind of like, you know, I think becoming more in the forefront of this fight. Yeah, you brought up a a very good point about um, these shallow conversations. Um, I I think there's a lot of distractions going around in politics right now. Um, another big one. I, I was I was just at the uh, the Congressional Black Caucus uh, a weekend ago. Um, oh, wait a second, just wait, 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 wait. What were you doing? I was uh, I attended a, a couple sessions at the Congressional Black Caucus in D.C. Yes. And how'd you get there? I mean, like, how, how did you get invited? What's the story? Um, well, so <laughs> Wale, it's ironic that he, do you ask this? Um, uh, Wale uh, invited me because he was going. Um, so I said, well, well shit, I, I've got to go too. Okay. Um, and so I attended with him, um, and I had a grand who's, time. Who's Wale? But there was a, a sorry. Who is Wale? Oh, that's right. So Wale uh, is the, my uh, my marketing manager <laughs> at uh, Common Power. He's um, he's another another wonderful personality from the CP community. Um, and and the uh, wait wait he's actually the senior program manager for the marketing no, team in CP. Right. He's just you know, not your marketing you know manager. What? Y'all pick and choose. He runs marketing at CP. <laughs> all right. Yes, he does. No, he does. And he's I, one I, cool dude. Yes. All right. Uh, yes, that too. Um, but uh, shoot, and now I forgot. You're going black caucus. Yes, there we yeah. go. Yeah. So there was a session in particular where they spoke about um, these distractions that they've been spoke to. Um, and, and they brought up a good point about, you know, we're not having the, the larger, more uh, existential uh, conversations that we used to about democracy and politics in general. We're more focused on the smaller things, right? The, the MAGA stuff, uh, Joe Biden's age, yeah. um, all these things that don't, don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, and, and to Joe Biden's age, you know, they brought up Bernie Sanders. They're like, uh, people, you know, people are distracted by, by these smaller details and characteristics that make the media, that make the news. They forget the age isn't a factor. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I thought that was dope. I wanted to speak to that real quick. Yeah. Um, I think we'll see how this election will shape out. And as we move forward, as we get closer to election day, um, 
it's going to be an experience for the fieldwork team as we go to Pennsylvania and then almost two weeks in Virginia. Um, obviously, the country will be shaped by how the uh, process in the U.S. House will go. A lot of people <laughs> might change their minds even about the local stuff based off of how that goes because um, it's a bigger picture of, like, is the Democratic Party going to um, be able to take advantage of the situation and campaign on it, and people will see the dysfunction in the Republican Party. So um, it's going to be an experience. Any closing thoughts, David? Absolutely. I think that that's a, that's a really polished way to say it, uh, Puya, that it's going to be an experience. But um, actually, uh, the beginning of Common Power was an experience. We are now, we are now in the depths of this body of work, and we, we need to win. We need to win for democracy, and we need to do everything we can. So I, all of us love community, all of us love education, and all of us need to drive that towards our, our work, our field work. So anybody who's listening, we're looking for action, right? We're looking for time and treasure towards action. There was a gentleman who we just met on the learning tour um, that was in Tennessee and Mississippi. That's where the trip went. And we went to Philadelphia, Mississippi, which is where the three civil rights workers were killed in 1964. And this, the man that we met with, his name is Mr. Leroy Clemens. Uh, Mr. Leroy Clemens uh, part was part of, was instrumental in bringing the, the, the kind of lead murderer to, to justice in the early 2000s. And he's an, Mr. Clemens is an African-American man and the lead murderer was a Ku Klux Klan man. He's dead now. Um, but, Mr. Clemens is running for mayor of Philadelphia um, in 2024, and if he becomes mayor of Philadelphia, the symbolism of him becoming mayor of Philadelphia um, is remarkable, okay? And so somebody on the bus said, so because he mentioned that the mayor was, was uh, retiring, and, uh, and somebody said, are you going to run? Just, it was kind of like a friendly, are you going to run? And he looked at us all and he goes, I'm not going to run, I'm going to win. All right. And that's the thing. Right. That's the determination. A guy in Philadelphia who has fought for this entire life, for voting rights, for all of that. That's the determination we all need to have. That's why we're in Louisville. But that's also why we're going to be on the road for the next 14 months doing this work. Right. You have a last thought, Charles? Uh, yeah, I think the people are done with our last thoughts and they want to hear how they can get involved. Can you tell them how they can get involved? Cool. Have a safe flight. Thank you. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, the easiest way that you can do this because we don't have a way to drop links or, um, describe how to get involved necessarily that you can click right now, um, is to go to our website. Go to commonpower.org. Okay. And then right there when you first get on that is the get involved button and you click on that if you're not sure what our organization does and you kind of want to check this out you know there's like stuff to get involved in field work if you know that you're going to get take action and you already know that you're going to phone bank door knock text bank send postcards all of that scroll down like two inches and then there's the join us button which is how you volunteer with us it'll take you to the field work page and you can you know take action on your own, do remote work like phone banking and text banking, or just join a state team, join Virginia, join us on the ground, and make change there. All right. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Let's go.